0: Everybody, this is not a drill, but we do have our first ever podcast sponsor. Woo-woo! It's Rebello. Are you looking to upgrade your electronic device? Hmm? Is price, trustworthiness and sustainability important factors for your purchase of like a smartphone, laptop or tablet? I mean, if it's not, it should be. So Rebello is actually Singapore's marketplace for sustainable electronics. So if you need an affordable pre-loved smartphone, Choose Rebello. Rebello has seven-day free returns, complimentary one to ten months warranty, and aftercare support. What's more, you get a tree planted in your name for every purchase. That's kind of cool, right? So find out more at Rebello.com. That's R-E-E-B-E-L-O.com and $20 off your order when you shop and refresh with them today. So check them out in my description box. I will leave the link there. Rebello, refreshing the way people consume tech. So thank you so much, Rebello for sponsoring this episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to Growing Pains, it's me, Brenda, what's up? took me a while but we're here with episode 4. I thank you guys for your patience. If you've not seen um, my video updates, I did talk about being a little overwhelmed with like the quality of the content and the frequency of creating episodes for growing pains. Thank you guys so so much for your patience and I'm so sorry if you've been waiting. I just want to make sure that every episode is you know thoughtfully created and I want to you know take my time with it. So I think from now on we will do an episode every month and I will do decide like which day we're gonna do it maybe like first Sunday or something like that but today's episode is actually something that's highly requested and I know you guys are pretty excited about it maybe that's also why I was overwhelmed because I just needed to make sure that you guys have the best information and like the most concise possible for something as important as this and it is Money, financial planning. Money and financial planning, in my humble opinion, is the most important thing that you need to learn when you become an adult, when you become independent. And it's really, really frustrating to me that with all the education that we have, we're not taught about financial planning nearly as much as we should. Money can be really empowering when you have it and you know how to manage it but it can also be really harmful and a big stressor, I would say the biggest stressor in your life if you don't have enough, if you don't know how to plan and manage your money and I feel like this is something that's generational like if your parents never really cared about like managing their finances or if they have like pretty bad habits like that sort of gets passed down to you unless you do something about it and you educate yourself to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes or to even gain knowledge about it you you know sometimes your parents just don't teach you I actually got a ton of questions from episode one, which was moving out about my expenses, unexpected, expected, tips and tricks on how to save and earn more, and even how I feel like emotionally about money and like how I plan for the future. So in this episode, I will try my best to go through what I feel like financial independence means to me, what it allows me to do, and the basics of managing finances. I'm not a professional and this podcast is not supposed to be a lecture, you know, it's supposed to be easy listening. So I will try and keep it light and breezy, but I do want to give you guys some pretty helpful like overviews and tips on what to manage and what to keep in mind. So I'm not going to be super, super thorough. If- anything i really really recommend that you guys look up the resources that i'll mention later on to get better acquainted with like the ropes of managing your finances so i'm gonna jump straight in so what is financial independence this is a phrase that's thrown around a lot and for me personally i see it as being able to do what i want within reason and not having to worry about not being able to afford it and via Wikipedia, okay, let's look at the definition. It says that financial independence is the status of having enough income to pay one's living expenses for the rest of one's life. Oh, fuck, I didn't know that. Oh, without having to be employed or dependent on others. Income earned without having to work a job is commonly referred to as passive income. Wow! Alright, so my version of financial independence looks different for me, right? Because I am 24 and I don't come from like money, I see financial independence as being able to spend well within what you earn. I always have a little extra to save, I can do anything that I want within limit, and I get to enjoy myself without worrying about money. Like if money isn't something that I'm constantly having to stress out over, I think that's okay. So that's how I see financial independence, that's constantly my goal, having a pretty steady and stable stream including passive income but that's not a lot lah, I mean that's just from like dabbling in investments and stuff and also being able to do what I want within reason. So if I want to sign up for like pole classes for example, if I want to eat omakase, I can do that quite comfortably without worrying that I don't have enough in my bank or that my card's gonna get rejected or stuff like that and it honestly did take me a while to get where I am. So even before when I was studying, you know, I was already doing YouTube. I am a natural saver, like I just like to save my money, but I never tracked my expenses even when I first started like, you know, doing my job. I do freelance content creation, so Every single month, my salary can vary from like 1k to 15k. Like I really don't know, I mean 15k is very very rare lah, you know, but I really don't know how much I earn at any given time. So I'm not employed, I don't have a paycheck, I don't have someone telling me how much I'm earning and every single month, that number, my income and my expenses lah, that number varies so much. It's very volatile, and for the longest time, like, I just kind of live and let live, you know, and I just like hope for the best, and I was like, okay, as long as I'm not in the red, it's fine. It was only when I started doing my own accounting, tracking my expenses, finances, income, everything else in between, that I became more self-aware about my situation, and also figure out how to earn more money, and it really has been working. So ho, if you want to earn more money, if you want to save more money, you need to know what you have and what you don't and knowing exactly where your money is coming in and out. So with that, I'm going to share with you some basics that I have learned and that I am practicing in terms of like finance management okay I manage my own finances I don't have an accountant so I'm not a professional but these are things that I've learned from professionals and I'm gonna like spill the tea spill the tea on how to earn money okay so the first thing is savings accounts right if you are still using your POSB kids account please go and get a real one um I know a lot of times like they have roadshows for these like youth accounts and stuff and I actually got my Frank OCBC like account when I first like entered university, maybe even like a couple months before that, because they were having a roadshow like near um, a university that I was sort of like, you know, checking out. That's when I noticed that, oh my god, interest rates are a thing, you know? You would never really pay attention to it, because if you're like me and your parents signed you up for like a POSB account like when you were really young, You don't really think about the interest as like 20 cents, whatever, it's fine, right? But if you're gonna put your money in a bank account, you want to keep it safe, you might as well check out what gives you the best rates, even if it's a couple dollars, because it will still sort of grow in that way. And I also realized as I'm older, it's actually really good to diversify, because if you have different accounts from different banks, it's more easy for you to like apply for credit cards, or to get rewards, bonuses, cashback, all that kind of stuff. So do your homework, you know, ask around, ask the people around you like, okay which one do y'all use and like which one gives you the best rates especially if you have like financial consultant friends And I know especially if you're a student and your parents are paying for most things, like, you don't care. But the thing is, right, wouldn't you rather use that money for yourself? Like, if you're going to spend time in school anyway, just take some time to check out the bursaries, the scholarships, financial aids, different schemes that you have, and make sure that you use those to the best of your ability. Because I did do that, but I didn't do that enough, I feel, so I could have saved, like, a lot more money, and it sucks being in, like, student debt. So, do that, okay? Okay, speaking of expenses, let's go to budgeting. What's your budget? I don't have a budget because I just like don't like to limit myself. I don't like to, you know, spend from a set amount of money, especially because the way I earn is also not like that lah. I have a pretty expendable income and so I also have a pretty expendable like budget. But the general consensus for your cash flow planning should follow this pretty fun rule, it's called 40-30-20-10. 40% should go towards the repayment of your loans, 30% towards your expenses, 20% towards your savings and investments, and then 10% to save for rainy days emergency money and you know you can always allocate some money to treat yourself and don't deprive yourself don't do what i did which i feel was like just hoard money and just save everything because i knew that like what i wanted in the future would cost me more It was helpful, but I feel like I also wasted quite a number of years, you know, just working and just saving and not really doing fun stuff. So I would say do it mindfully, you know, so that it makes you happy, but also be realistic about how much money you're spending. If you continuously, you know, use grab as a bad habit because you have very bad time management and you're always late, like, that's not something that makes you mindfully happy, do you know what I mean? So spend that money on what makes you happy. You know, if you're saving up for a holiday, if you're saving up for, you know, Know, new camera new macbook like that should be your key motivation to keep you saving for that planning for big purchases like that by setting up funds is also taking ownership of it and you feel like that much more accomplished when you finally get it and i feel like it also helps kind of suppress urges to spend it on little things like if you're you know constantly grabbing if you're constantly like getting starbucks that kind of thing if it makes you happy once every week like go and do it live your best life but if you feel like that comes from a bad habit or you know an urge or just like honestly if you're not really thinking about it then maybe you should. I know some people like to look at it as prioritizing your savings by putting in a specific amount into your savings and then spending whatever you have left over but for me it's like the exact opposite. So I'll spend whatever I need to spend, put a set amount into my investments and then the rest stays in my savings right? Because all the money that gets wired to me through my work, it goes into my bank account, so I just don't take it out. And it works for me because I don't spend too, too much. Like, I don't spend on big luxury purchases, or I don't have like, well... Now I do, a little bit of impulse buy, but I don't really have like that impulse buying tendency. And I know that right now I can comfortably afford to live like that. So that's how my money, like cash flow kind of looks like now. And I don't have credit cards because I got rejected. Oh, as them said, I tried to apply for a credit card after I filed my taxes for the first time earlier this year. I think my income taxes didn't go through. Then I got rejected from the card. Then I was a little bit offended because I was like, hey, I met all the requirements. Like, why am I not? able to get it, you know what I mean, y'all don't trust me. So I went to get my credit score checked and the reason why I want a credit card is so that I can collect miles, I can get cashbacks, you know, stuff like that. My credit score was literally zero, like it was nil, like I have no credit whatsoever. So I was like, okay, so in order to get a credit card, I need a good credit score, but I don't have a credit score, and you can only improve your credit score by having a credit card. So you see, it's like the chicken and the egg problem, so I was like, what the frick? So then I tried to apply again, because I was like, okay, now file ready, right? My taxes, my income, contributed to CPF, everything, and I was like, I got this, I got this, and then I tried to apply again, and then I also rejected again. <laughs> So I don't know what is going on, maybe if you guys like understand the situation better, maybe you guys can tell me. Yeah, I don't know if I like screwed up my credit score because I applied twice and I got rejected, but you know. (laughs) If you cannot afford to get a credit card or if you know that you're a little naughty, don't do it because then you'll screw up your own credit score. And you want to have a good credit score in case next time you want to like secure home loans, car loans, stuff like that. So for me to track my expenses right, I actually use this app called Wally they haven't updated it in a very long time and I think they actually moved on to like a Wally Plus and they sort of abandoned this like original Wally app. But I like it because it's very simple and it does exactly what I need and nothing more. And from there, I can see how much I spend on, what I tend to spend on. So it really pays to pay attention to what you're spending on. Just so you're clear, just so you know, okay, this is where my money is going. Because sometimes you really forget. And you're like, hey, how come my bank account is so low? You know, that sort of thing. Okay, next one is kind of interesting. intimidating but I think you know it's just a little bit intimidating. I think once you start learning about it it's actually pretty easy. Um, it's investments and I think if you start out like paying attention to maybe two or three articles on how investment works and if you start on something easy like I did with like robo-investing it's actually um, pretty minimal risk, minimal effort and it's not a very very high return but it's a higher return than if you had your money sit in just like a savings account. And if you want something that's a higher risk, higher return, if you know how to, you're confident, you got the money to spare, go for it. I think especially for young adults like myself, even when we come out to work, right, if we're living under our parents' roof, we don't really have a sense of like financial independence and so we don't pay attention to it. But I think if you pay attention to your expenses, your savings, and even dabbling in investments and learning how to grow that money will always help you. And I understand if it seems very intimidating to start because you're like, where do I begin? Like, I didn't even know what CPF was. That was me when I was, I think, 21 or 22. I, like, didn't understand anything at all. And it is a personal journey that you have to take. It's a growing pain that you have to take to understand how to do financial planning for yourself, to experience things and to really take that time to learn and will very much benefit you if you learn it earlier in life. So for me especially, as someone who works in freelance, you know, with a job that didn't exist 10 years ago, it's difficult, you know, and it's all the more important to me as someone who is likely not able to get married in Singapore, you know, I'm in a same-sex relationship, so I need to be even more aware of how much I'm earning because it's so volatile, because I can see that my expenses will be higher, you know, that I cannot use my CPF and stuff lah. I understand that some people do find it taboo and a little like embarrassing to kind of talk about it, but I think like for me especially la, at this age and working freelance, like I do like to start that conversation. So if you have no one to talk to, at least you're talking to me now lah. But you can also check out a couple of other like financial channels on youtube you know especially if you're like me and you don't like like super dry articles stuff like that, or if you don't exactly know what to look for, you can start by listening to this channel that I really, really like. It's called Financial Diet. They do a lot of videos about like financial advice and financial tips and tricks and like what to spend your money on, what not to, how to improve your life, you know, stuff like that um, in a very like personal and experiential kind of perspective. So I really like the host that does it mostly. She's um, Chelsea Fagan and she gives a great perspective because she was someone that didn't pay attention to her finances and it got really bad and then she kind of had to recover and she learned a lot from it. So I find her videos like very interesting and actually surprisingly helpful to kind of like change your mindset about how you see money. And I also like the podcast Bad With Money, but I really like the first season also because I'm biased la, it was a lot about like freelance and like artists, performers and I really like the conversations that were being brought up and I surprisingly learned a lot from a couple of students like finance students, people that want to be financial consultants or are already financial consultants. I actually have a not so crazy rich Asians surviving an expensive Singapore like handy guidebook about like finances, how things work in Singapore and it's actually really interesting because they cover investments, insurance, savings, credit cards, housing and like CPF and stuff like that. All the stuff that I talk about if you want it in like a nice bite-sized graphic book style then you can check out not so crazy asians so these resources are out there you know ask your friends ask your school i'm really glad that these are like student initiated programs because i think people realize that oh my god we need it i will list them down below in my description bar on youtube if you want to check them out let's move on to talk to gail she is my very adult friend okay she's i think like five years older than me and she's got her life set okay she's married she has a kid and she's also a financial consultant so let's check in with Gail Alright, so I'm here now with Gail. So Gail is one of my closest friends, okay? It's an adult friendship! We met at some like influencer (sighs) event and uh, we became friends ever since and she's actually an insurance agent. So would you like to introduce
1: yourself? Alright, I'm Gail and I'm 28 years old this year. This is my 8th year with my financial institution. I don't need to sound like I'm selling myself or anything but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm really in this job because it really motivates me to help people, you know and definitely all we want to do is to retire
0: early, right? I was very against speaking to insurance agents before. Just because like I always felt like it was very hard sell and I just got very intimidated. And I obviously like came in not knowing anything. Like I didn't bother asking my parents and I wanted to make sure like the information came from a reliable source. I ended up like talking to Gail about it and I ended up like getting basically all of my policies from her. So we're gonna go through like some of the basics, uh, some of the stuff that I felt like I was too shy to ask like any other insurance agent
1: Actually I think, um, in fact I think the first question that Brandon met me and after she asked me what was I working at, she was like uh, This is so adult for me but uh, what is CPF? Uh, what is this Medisave thing? Oh my god, um, what do oh, yeah. I need to buy? And then I was like, this girl I met first time in a social setting and then she was like oh my god you know what? i really need to know i think that time she was still like a student yeah and like you know transiting over to the careers side yeah. and then really had no idea what was going
0: on and honestly yeah it's really adulthood yeah i think you you laughed at me you were like, you, yeah, I was like, like you don't know anything else like, i don't because like i don't ask like, you know sometimes like it's so it's so intimidating and mm. sometimes if you ask the wrong person they'll either give you the wrong information or too much info then you're like god i just needed to know what like oa means you know <laughs> yeah i found that like, i learned a lot from you and like i wanted to share this knowledge because like really it changed my mindset about like insurance and i know a lot of you like have no idea how to even like approach the topic of insurance okay basically what is insurance well insurance to me i put it under two
1: umbrellas one would be life protection and the other one would be wealth accumulation okay so insurance in our parents' time, probably, they are like, Oh, just buy it, you know, in case you die, then you have this money left for your for your kids or, you know, your next generation. People used to buy because they are scared of death. Yeah. But people now buy because they are scared of critical illness. Oh. Because, you know, critical illness oh, happens yeah. and then, like, you... It's so expensive. Yeah, yeah. And then, you don't die. But then, like, the, <laughs> the expenses... go on and on and on how i see insurance is like a pyramid right a pyramid so like the bottom layer will be like the more the most important one hospitalization and accident because these are the cheapest plans that you can find in the market but yet they're the most important in every person's insurance portfolio because if anything were to happen these are the ones that will actually tank most of the cost for you especially Uh. hospital plan and then accident plan okay then the second layer of the pyramid would be like whole life plans that's where you get the coverage for death disability and critical illness okay those are not meant to pay your hospital bills those are meant to give you one lump sum payout for you to kind of like get through your daily life because you know when you're sick you are not well enough to work to earn the income. Oh. Yeah. So that, that middle portion is meant to give you a lump sum. Okay. okay to, to help you get through life. Right. Okay. And then at the top of the pyramid is where the savings and investment comes. Okay. I think most of us make the mistake of, you know, going into savings and investment first, the top tier. But actually, if, you, if I were to look at it, I mean, from my view as an agent, I always feel like that's the last end. It's not that it's not prioritised, but you have to protect yourself first, then you can protect your savings and investments. So like, you know, if anything were to happen, then you will wipe out your entire savings and investments yeah. and everything like that. But if you have protection in place, you will actually protect your money as well. And then right. if shit happens, oh sorry, <laughs> It's okay. So- <laughs> it's okay, right? It's okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. so like, if shit happens and then shit hits the roof, and then you are like
0: burdened with two things. Right, right, yeah. Right. yeah. So that, true, that's, how true. I, that's how I view insurance. What's the difference between like, like term insurance or life insurance?
1: Well, whole life plans nowadays, we, we classify it as like um, limited pay. You pay for like a certain number of years, 10, 20 years, and then uh, you're covered till age 100, that's whole life. Okay, uh, okay, okay. But term is like you're only covered up to a certain number of years. So like you, if you buy a 10-year term, you're covered for 10 years. If you buy a till age 65 term, you're covered till age 65. So basically you're paying to be insured, pay as you insure, but you will never get money back. So life, you'll get money back? Life, there is a cash value, so there's a surrender value But of course, once you cancel away the plan, then your courage is gone as well Yeah, Cute. I see term more as like a top up to life So if you already have a whole life plan Because term is really cheap a whole life is not as cheap Oh! Right? So you always get a basic whole life plan first And then get a term to like just top up your courage to ensure that you have higher um, You know, like a summer shirt Yeah So what happens if you reach a hundred? If you uh, fortunately or unfortunately live till age hundred <laughs> <laughs> the policy will just mature and then um it will be the money will be
0: to your next of kin or to yourself if you're still alive at eight hundred. Right. Yeah. Right. I really wanna apologize <laughs> if you hear like sounds of the leather sofa. It's not us being annoying, it's noodles <laughs> just like noodles, dancing around. Yeah, and playing with his deflated soccer ball. <laughs> Okay so you mentioned like using the term insurance to top up your life insurance to top up the coverage so why would someone get multiple like why would I for example who already has like there's this one particular like policy that covers like critical illness death and disability yes like why would I buy another like critical illness like plan separately then okay that's a good question because um
1: (laughs) She has grown very much. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So what happens is a whole life plan will cover whichever occurs first, like a death, disability or illness, whichever occurs first. So why people will buy additional, right? It's because if something were to happen, okay, for example, we will just say, for example, disability happens and then the whole life plan will pay out the entire amount, say 100k and then the plan will terminate, right? That's it. Because it has already paid out for the disability. Right. And then what happens? Does it mean that a disabled person won't get critical illness? Oh. That's not true, right? So vice versa, if a, a person has critical illness, doesn't mean the person may not get a disability. And the thing is, you can say, oh, I, after I claim Maria, I can always just buy again. What? The answer is you can't. Because once you have a pre-existing condition, no insurer will take you in again. Oh, Yeah, so that's why you buy multiple, like, you know, just, just in case something would happen. Are there any benefits to buying young versus buying, like when you're older? Definitely. When you're young, the premiums are really cheap and nowadays it's all limited pay and um, standard terms The earlier you insert it, oh, yes, you pay the amount for life or, right. or no, I mean you pay the amount for the duration of the term
0: Right, yeah. right, 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 okay So you will finish paying it and then earlier. you'll be covered for the rest of your life. Yes, you finish paying
1: it earlier and you are covered for the rest of your life and you pay the same amount for it for the number of years that you are paying.
0: So the total is much um Definitely, lower. yes. Okay. Compared to let's say a
1: twenty five year old versus a forty year old, the forty year old will have to pay much more for the same hundred thousand coverage. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh interesting. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so is insurance always worth it?
1: It really depends on the company, depends on the plan. It depends on your agent. If the agent's not good, the agent doesn't follow on your policies for you, doesn't check for, you know, your investment returns and everything like that, then maybe it may not be worth it because you might have missed the boat, for all you know, and your agent didn't inform you as well. And he go like, "Oh, oh, if I had surrendered maybe last year, I would have gotten this amount, but because I surrendered this year, I missed the boat, due to like COVID or like whatever, yeah. then so maybe it's not so worth it. The surrender amount will change. Ah, uh, if it's an investment plan. Oh. Um, yes. If it's an investment plan,
0: it's obviously volatile and right. not guaranteed So, okay, full disclosure, I have, what do I have? Okay, I have one. You have a whole life plan. I
1: have a whole life okay, plan. Okay. Uh, and our investment plan. Okay. Uh, you're okay with disclosing all this? No? Yeah, okay. I'm okay with it. She loves you guys.
0: Yeah. So, I think, like for me, I wanted to start out, actually, I wanted to start out with, what was it? Uh? I think I wanted to start out with critical illness. <gasps> yes. But But then you told me like to start out with accident or hospitalisation first because like you just never know, then I was like I'm very careful, it's fine, it's fine and then after that I saw that the annual payment is quite affordable when you split it up into 12 months is around like $20. 20
1: plus, yeah,
0: 25 Like you pay at the end of every year. So if you pay like annual, you get a little bit of a discount versus yes. paying it monthly. And I don't like monthly because like you feel like, you know, it's always like out of pocket every month, right? So but I prefer... Some people like monthly. Really? Yeah,
1: because oh. you know, they, they, they receive their salary and then
0: they know that, okay, my day's salary I have to separate out for this, this, Oh, this. Okay, I'm like a lump sum kind me of person. Too, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to ask Does this mean that anyone that has a pre existing condition cannot get any insurance policies at all? Gail is nodding <laughs> for you guys that are like, Yes, years. yes, yeah,
1: that's yes. That's so sad. That's so sad. It is, it's really serious because that's why I always tell my clients to buy younger and when they're in the pink of health because once something happens, and it, it may not even be a big thing, you know, it yeah. could be like just like maybe high blood or cholesterol or like just mild diabetes. Yeah, you can Not forget already. about Buying hospital plan All this And you have Loading or exclusion On your health plans On your medical plans Wow yeah. Okay so you
0: can still buy But there are loading And exclusion. So it's
1: case by case It really depends On oh. the underwriter So it depends on How serious you are Are you on What kind of medication Yeah how often Do you see your doctor Wow
0: yeah. Wow No joke. That's (laughs) interesting. And like if you are a smoker as well, you have like higher premiums. And if you want to kick it and you want to try and like pretend that you don't smoke to get the lower premium, what's going to happen, girl?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like getting caught on a test cheating, right? Yeah. So what happens is the insurance company will void the entire contract and they'll refund you all the premiums you've paid and take it that,
0: you know, there was never a partnership to start with will just they will just cancel you. They'll just cancel you whole. They'll just be like you never existed in our plan. <laughs> so don't do that because like obviously the yeah. doctors will be able to tell. It's utmost good faith guys. So for someone who's my age, twenty-four versus like someone who's age forty-four for example, like how much money should we put into like insurance plans and that sort of thing?
1: Okay, there's no right and wrong, okay, but by rule of thumb, I usually recommend to keep like 50% of your annual income. Six months pay? Yeah, six months of your salary uh, in the bank, okay, for liquidable cash, whenever you need it, like for rainy days or anytime you need emergency money. But the rest of the 50% should be invested or protected. You either do it under life protection, like protect yourself under insurance, or you wealth accumulate, meaning you do investments, endowment, do some kind of savings, in a way that is not putting inside the bank. Ah,
0: so it's, it's, it's not a matter of like how much you have
1: It is, it is So it doesn't matter whether you're 24 or 44 You have to base it on your annual income what, How ah. much are you bringing in? How do you need to protect yourself? Will be at least five years of your salary To protect yourself in terms of coverage So, so like people ask How much do I buy? 100,000, 200,000, I would no- normally recommend three to five years of your annual income, that should be your coverage. But it really depends like in the next five years, you are you going to buy a house? Are you going to buy a car? Uh Yeah, so all these are short term goals short term goals you need liquidable cash for short term goals you cannot be parking
0: everything inside you know insurance or any other investment instruments okay so if I do have like extra cash lying around then I should be investing I should be looking of course
1: yes you shouldn't leave it inside the bank because you know inflation every year is like I don't know they they put it at 4 or 5% but I think it feels like 10% to me every year
0: yeah now that you've decided you know you want to get insurance and I do highly encourage you to just like look into it I think Jade Rasif was on real time talk and then she said like she likes to go on like lunches with insurance agents just to hear and compare plans and then like she also gets a free meal out of there so she's like why not right so i think that's actually quite a good like tip give different agents like the time of day just to hear them explain to you and see which one like is most uh, suitable in terms of like your needs and if you have a good feeling about the agent I guess. Like, So what else do you like look for when it comes to like a trustworthy agent? Like, How do you know when to sign something with someone?
1: Okay, so because I'm an agent myself, I like to put myself in the perspective of a customer or a client. So I imagine that if I'm a client or a customer, what would I want to see in my agent? What do they propose and everything? So first things first, um, definitely the agent has to know your needs. Instead of the of the agent coming in and say, "Hey, you know, I got this really good plan. Come, let me tell you about it." I would much prefer agent who says, "Maybe you can tell me what you have first, so that I can do a comprehensive review. I can look out for your loopholes, and then we can plug those loopholes." Right. Yeah. So that that is for me. Uh, an agent who knows what I want, what I need. Because there's no one product that suits all, no longer. You can maybe say like, oh, you know, I have a hospital plan, not really sure from where. Or like, I have an accident plan, or oh, I think I have some like life plan that my parents oh. bought for me, but I'm not very sure. So usually the first appointment shouldn't be a closure appointment. So that's how I feel. Unless it has really been pre-discussed before on like WhatsApp, Zoom call, or you know, something like that. Then you know that the going down appointment is just to close. But it should be more of an informative, getting to know what they have first right. and then the second appointment is after you have done up a policy summary for that and said okay you have this 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 is this now we have to look at this because you are lacking this and that that to me is a good trait of an agent of course the number of years um, in the industry is important because you know uh first year agent will be super enthusiastic right because who isn't yeah. but um after a while you, you don't know whether they'll be still here next year. The saddest thing I think is to be an orphan policy Because then like there's no parents Oh
0: my (sighs) god! So like let's say you you sign with an agent Who has like left the company He goes back to the company under orphan policy So then the company you need to Redistribute your policies To
1: other agents So the agents who take over usually are Very reluctant to help you Because most of the time you are looking for them Because I need to claim this Uh, I need to do this claim Or here and there Uh, And the agent is very reluctant to help Because they don't earn a commission from it
0: and yeah, it's just basically doing Saikang. Cool. So I think it's quite important to like look for an agent that you can trust. Uh. Preferably someone that like you know or someone that has been around for a while. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I think it doesn't really need to be someone you know. If you're not comfortable with letting someone you know know about your financial Oh that's true. And or you prefer a stranger, that's fine also because it's all professional, right, in the line of work. Um, it's more like, do you feel comfortable with this person? Do you feel like this person will be there when you need the person, when you call him or her? Uh, and will this person be, be there to hold your hand every step of the way? Wow. Insurance is a long journey, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's a marriage, man. But... Yeah,
0: it's a marriage with your
1: agent. Okay, <laughs> uh, of course, professionally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So I hope you guys learned a little bit more about insurance. If you need to like, find out more about anything insurance related you can reach gail like gail's generation is right here she's not selling anything uh, i just want to like say again you know message her give her a little beep beep and uh, i also want to ask you about like married life as someone who's like freelancing as someone who i think carved out a very different life like from most people and i'm I'm not really afforded the same opportunities like BTO or when it comes to freelancing like the kind of salaried like thinking that most people have when it comes to financial planning. So how do you
1: do it? well if you're self-employed well technically i'm also self-employed right because um under my company i'm self-employed mm-hmm. so uh what you can do is how, how many years have you been working about two two, three years. two years okay two? so you can't really get a good gauge yet right yeah. so what i would do is take last year plus this year's income and then you divide by two to just get a rough average first okay for self-employed i understand that you know it may be a bit more um precarious instead of six months maybe you can put eight months of right. your of your salary um, as a, as some spare cash you
0: know in the bank. Ooh, how is financial planning when it comes to being married? Oh my god! <laughs> no offense, to my husband and all. <laughs> he he
1: and I plans our financials really differently and we do have our arguments here and there I mean okay just like I said just a disclaimer again, every, no, not only just marriage like even in insurance right um, whatever I've said just now may not be exactly what another agent might recommend okay so just a disclaimer there's no right and wrong it's just up to your own uh, comfort level okay so I have my own way of planning for my financials he has his own way he feels very insecure that I'm having an unstable income in a way because I'm self-employed right uh, but then I have my own ways of making up for it because you know I don't have CPF and I don't have that so when it comes to like housing He'll be like uh, But next time I need to pay for this And then uh, what about you Then you better make sure you I don't know Prepare a buffer of like I don't know 200k cash To, to, to put down to the house okay. But to be fair Our BTO is quite expensive It's about 6 In the region of 600k okay. For a 5 room okay. uh, But still he, he was like You better prepare 200k And then I was like oh, Okay <laughs> <laughs> And for me That's a short term goal Because you know My house is coming in Like less than 2 years time and I need to have that amount of money in my bank by then because I have to make up for it, right? Being self employed, I don't have a CPF, I don't earn uh, interest in my CPF.
0: But right? isn't there a mortgage? Like don't you pay a monthly payment instead of a lump sum? Yeah, of you 200? do, but you pay that
1: from your CPF. So she wants me to have that cash to firstly put a like a down payment. So normally you don't like slowly use up this two hundred K. I think you put it on first to like make sure that your your debt with the bank is not like six hundred k. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like to lower lower the amount of money that you have to pay because every year the interest is very high. Oh. Um, yeah, the interest is very high for housing.
0: Really? Even yeah. for HDB. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought like housing loans, especially for HDBs, will be like like the it lowest is, and the most. It like is. It is. Okay. So like if let's say
1: you sell away your house, right? Eventually you stay in the house and then you sell it away. If you have been using CPF to pay for it, right? The money when you sell has to back pay CPF and the interest that you owed. Meaning if it's from OA, right, it's 2.5%. So when you sell the house, right, you have to put the money back, whatever you took from your OA, and then you have to back pay the number of years of (laughs) 2.5%. So the amount of money you earn, right, from your house, selling your house may not even be that much. Wow. But if you had paid cash, the money comes back to you in cash. So actually, so nowadays we are like just, you know, you know discussing like the interest for OA is like 2.5% and then um, the interest at the bank is usually about I don't know like 0.05% so if I were to use cash to pay in state and then if I decide to sell my house next time the cash comes back to me
0: whereas uh. the cash will go
1: back to my husband in his CPF and uh. he still has to back pay all the years of interest say five years
0: right yeah so the interest is from the CPF not from the housing no
1: no, there is also housing loan insurance. Oh but but yeah, yeah, my that's God. like okay, There's another level of adulting that even I need to get Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But in terms oh. of like um of course definitely marriage life you really need to discuss with your spouse or your partner what exactly um are their goals and your goals do they align okay i'm not saying that you need to be 100% on the same page but you really need to at least have at least going the same direction yeah because everybody has their own ways and i think a lot of um, young couples these days what they shun to talk about is like i mean what they shun away from is like talking about their finances which is actually very important yeah because like if anything were to happen then actually the other person has to thank all the crap
0: okay i have another
1: question yes
0: Do all married people like just have a joint account? Like how do people like okay, because I understand like if I'm in a marriage, the money I earn is is my money. It's your money. You know? And I don't feel comfortable like thinking that my spouse's money is like my money also. But some people think that way. So like how, how do most couples like split up their finances versus like how do you prefer to do it if you're comfortable sharing?
1: Yeah, of course okay. uh, I think in my line of work um, I, I've seen many I have many, many couple clients I've learned some of the ways That they do as well So okay, for me and my husband What we do is We put a, a set amount Into the joint account every month oh. So he and I Earn different salaries, right? But then uh-huh. we fix the amount Say like 500 or 1000 And we just put it in okay. Into the joint account And then from the joint account We'll pay for like the kids We'll pay for the house we we'll pay for Yes, pay for uh. anything That is like shared Okay, okay? Uh, But I do have some clients who they do it in a way whereby um, if the wife earns lesser, the wife will save her entire savi- uh, entire income oh, okay? okay, and then they will spend the husband's entire income for like expenses and uh, it depends on whether they want to save the higher income or the lower income and then they spend the other person's income fully. But does this mean that the so other that, person
0: has access to the savings
1: account? Uh, yes, of course. Oh, okay, it has, okay, okay. It has, but of course then it's in a way it's also sort of joint account but then you're only spending 1% salary. Right. Okay. Alternatively, there are also couples who put in like, based on their salary. So like maybe the husband earns 10K a month, the wife earns 5K a month. So maybe the husband puts in two times the amount that they put into the joint fund. So they go by percentage of the salary. Right. So there are many ways you can do it again, oh. no right and wrong. So it really depends on what is your comfort level. Okay. Like if you were to put in a set amount, there's, there's no room for any argument next time. Because you go, it's fair what every amount, like me and my husband, we put in the same equal amount. So it's very fair. I wanted to eliminate this resentment that I may feel in the future if I'm like, hey, why you putting this amount on me? Then like actually most of the expenses come from me. Oh. Or like actually, I put in this amount money then most of the expenses come from you I don't want to leave any room for such, you know, like um, yeah, Arguments like arise yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, You know, yeah. to arise And these kind of things do happen, especially over long years of marriage you know money is a very touchy issue doesn't matter whether you're a couple or friends or yeah. like money is always a sensitive issue and it's always the root of all evil yeah so put your money in insurance guys you see <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> so all this you have to know it when you're dating oh, uh. don't get married then yeah. realize that they are like that then i think by then it's too late because the moment you sign on the line and you divorce half your assets are up for grabs yeah so You have to know that
0: Don't you have like Prenups and stuff Is it not common in Singapore? It's not common
1: in Singapore (sighs) It's not common in Singapore And especially if you're a girl And then you earn more than Than the guy If you were to divorce He might even like Assess half your assets So like yeah, just, just be careful Just make sure you know who What you're getting into And everything right. And you know
0: Some people don't show Their true colours Until after marriage yeah. Unfortunately Especially if you Didn't live with them before Like yeah. you didn't hang out With them like For extended right, periods right, right. of
1: time So I think like You know times have changed Last night our parents like Yeah, don't go and stay over ah. little you here and there Here and there You know yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you're a girl It's like a face thing It's like a, don't show them That you're cheat That you can like You know He has yeah. to marry
0: you first Because Ex- you all Had sleep in the same bed Exactly, <laughs> exactly And
1: I'm not encouraging Cohabiting or anything But I do feel like this is a way to actually get to know your other half because there are a lot of things that happen at home like even like just throwing the socks in the corner don't put them in the wash, washing yeah. basket Can really annoy the hell out of you. Yeah, yeah, and it's only when you stay together that you actually see this kind of
0: habits from your your other half. It's so easy to behave yourself for like three hours while you're at dinner, like on a date. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seeing someone's like daily routine, like the way that they live, who cleans up after them? Does he clean up after himself? Does she clean up after herself? And how they like treat the people who clean up after them? You know, service staff or like you know parents or helpers and stuff like that. I feel like that's quite. That's quite a big thing wow. So like before marriage nowadays There's like marriage prep class
1: Oh really? So I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm not Christian But then I went for a marriage prep class By my sister's church Like before I got married to my husband Both of you have to fill out this form And like How many kids do you want? How are we going to split the household expenditure next time? Oh. And so everybody fills out their own form And then we exchange our forms And then we look at it And say like, Oh okay so there's So no discussion But if you never talk about this Before marriage right um, Things will um, I guarantee you Problems will arise the right. moment you are married, because like it's not only really money, there's like, re- like religion, there's like, there's like kids, there's there's a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think one of the biggest things that like I, I noticed about disagreements between like even partners is how people spend their money. It's always yeah. money. dude, it's it's such a big thing. Like with my ex also, right? He could earn five hundred and fifteen dollars during his NS, and on the third day that he gets his pay, spend four hundred dollars on a watch. And he didn't really like, have savings, he's not like that kind of guy. So I always ask him like, why would you do that? And he's like, oh, but you know, it's a limited edition, you know, it's like you know, worth so much more. And then you get damn annoyed, right? Oh, but you damn annoyed, like how do you eat for the rest of the, you know what I mean? Then you cannot do this, cannot do that, cannot go out, then like... It's just a very like, to me, it's not a a smart choice. And like, with your Chanel bag... Oh my god, that is a touchy topic. Yeah. So so basically Gail wanted to buy a bag with her own money. She wanted to and this is the thing, like when you buy a Chanel bag, like there's always like a, a promise of a return of investment, right? But then I think like your husband was like, Why? It's just a bag, like yeah, so, so much
1: money. Exactly. So like every everybody has their own way of yeah. money. So to him he thinks like, Why are you buying this puffy pillow for like $9,000, 10000 dollars for what? Like this ten thousand dollars can go a long way, which I, I don't deny. But you know I work I've worked for eight years and honestly this is I'm not like those flashy insurance agents who buy like non stop. This is like my legit first Chanel bag, you know, for yeah. like for like eight years. It's and, a like,
0: very classic Yeah and, and like... yeah, it's not
1: even seasonal or anything. And I mean I mean if I were to resell it it would go up in price, right? Yeah. But you know, he's just like Yeah.
0: The biggest thing is that's your money and you still have money in your savings. Exactly. I think if you have spare cash, you can do whatever you want with it if it's yours, but if you don't have any money and you're relying on like, you know, borrowing from friends or living off of your partner, then Then that's that's a problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But of course, if the income discrepancy is really big, then even half-half it might be a bit difficult lah. So I think sometimes you really see how it goes with the other person. I would encourage not putting so much into a joint account. Why? Because joint account's interest is 0.05%, right? But if you were to put it in your own personal account, like the first 70k they give you, I don't know, like 1 point something percent and everything, which is much higher. So you might be able to generate more interest and really accumulate more money uh, by putting it in your own account so but of course when it comes to a big ticket purchase or anything like that I would definitely encourage of course to transfer to each other or whatever if you don't want to take out from the joint account right. so joint account is good to put in a set amount every month but don't need to put in so much right? because I think interest is still more, much more in their own personal right. account.
0: Right. it's just for like small purchases yes, la, like petty like, cash yeah grocery mostly oh yeah. interesting so okay I want to ask this other question is there a limit to how much you can spend on this joint account like let's say more than $100 you have to ask for permission or like is there like no half
1: no because like if I want to buy Anything on my own, whether it's like makeup, shopping, or like you know, my bags or whatever, I use my own money right. so it doesn't touch into the joint account at all. Right, so right, basically, right. he has like no say over my money. Right. But of course, if was like I say a big ticket, like a 10k, standard, then he'll be like, hmm, you oh, <laughs> why are
0: you using see. that money? Even though it's
1: my own money, okay. Right. But of course, it doesn't mean that he's eyeing my money, I think it's just his way of you know, feeling like this money can go a long way towards maybe the kid or like our own future, right? Yeah, how expensive is a kid? Very. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just count just... like the running cost of like the milk powder, the diapers and all. They're really expensive. I didn't know how expensive they were. How much are they like 30 dollars? Uh no, it's like 30 cents per diaper. and Sora uses like five to six diapers a day. Oh then my go count. God yeah. yeah And then how much is milk powder? Milk powder is expensive depending of course on the brand that you wow. yeah. but usually it's about 50 40 plus 50 per tin. Oh so it's like 50 dollars per week. That's already essentially a two hundred. a week?! Yeah, depending on how much your child drinks And Sora doesn't drink a lot But she still drinks about one tin a week Oh my god! So that's essentially $200 fixed expenditure every month Just on her milk alone And then what about her
0: clothes and like classes and everything Since we're like really going off topic already Shall we just jump into Q&A? Sure!
1: Alright!
0: Ooh, I'm studying in uni right now And how much should I set aside for the future? What should I plan for? Well, if you're studying in
1: uni, I think it's really really hard because you don't even know what is your income. Um, Definitely, I think um, when you're in uni, you shouldn't uh, jump into anything that is really big because you don't know what's your financial capability for the next year or even like you know so definitely i'll just encourage just getting an accident plan or hospital plan first if your parents haven't got one for you because that will just ensure that at least the burden is transferred over to the insurance company and not you know tanked by you or your family someone asked how much savings do you think a 30 year old should have okay this is a good question uh i've been i mean based on my clientele and their portfolio i started to realize that actually quite a lot of people stash a lot of money in the bank you know they themselves know that it's not going well, right? Yeah. By putting the money in the bank, but yet they still do it because I think it just gives them this finan- this stability that they see. Oh, I have this amount of money in the bank, but um, how much savings do you think a 30-year-old should have? Assuming that 30-year-old already has a house, and then I think maybe about
0: a hundred k in the bank, or like just spread across like different savings, different
1: different different savings investment instruments, and all whether it's it fixed deposit or like you know whatever plans okay. yeah, at least at least should have about 100k being working for you yeah working for you how do you arrive at that amount um, just based on what I see from my clientele like, I realise that most people have this amount but 100k is maybe about 1 to 2 years of your of your annual income Okay. Right? depending oh. on a, a usual a usual person who comes out by 30 I would assume that it's a, at least a 5k a month kind of job right. so it should be about 60k a year That will, 100k is just one year plus one right. one year maybe less than two years of income. Oh so if you're if you're not even letting this money work for you, then it's you are you are you are not able to retire early and be financially free. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's just my thoughts. Of course, don't, don't beat yeah. yourself up if you don't have a hundred k in the bank or yeah. working for you. I think there's no right and wrong. It really depends on your yeah on your financial um cap- capability and situation at the point of time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Don't feel bad uh, if you don't have that amount of yeah. money. Cause like. Not a lot of people do. Let's be real. Yeah. And sometimes, like I think, especially when you're young, if you weren't like brought up in an environment where saving is very important, you would just be the kind of person that yeah. like earns three k, spends two point eight k, exactly, or maybe three k. Yeah, you know.
1: It could be also because like the parents have been living that way, so they thought like, okay, yeah, this is the way of life.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people's parents that like, I realized live that way, or like they sort of live on credit. And in depth Like it's very common Do you invest Like outside of insurance, like investment insurance plans?
1: Um, no I don't because I have full faith in my company and uh, and I handle wow. my portfolio myself of course in my company uh-huh. so uh, I do my investments mostly there and I'm also a little bit cautious about going to the stock market because you
0: can get your hands and fingers burned. Uh, for me personally, like I started out investing by doing like robo-investing and this is something that is super beginner friendly. I do like a pretty medium to low risk Okay, like, that's good, like, yeah. Plan. I always
1: think it's good to like, you know, spread your eggs in different baskets. Yeah,
0: so like, I personally use Stash Away. I don't know about the others, but if you go onto like, financial blogs like Seedly or a Money Smart, you'll be able to see like, a comparison on interest rates, like on deposits, like how much they, they do take like, a little fee, like a processing fee, obviously. And I think it's backed by like, M A S is it money monetary authority? Like, oh. Yes, M A S. Yes, but you need to be careful to know exactly what you're investing in because, like, I personally would never do cryptocurrency or Bitcoin just because I don't know anything about it. Yeah, that's that's how I started, and then I bought like the investment like policy from Gale, and that's sort of all I'm investing in now. Is hiring a financial advisor necessary? Do
1: you consider yourself a financial advisor? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we call ourselves that, like, a Fancy name, financial consultant, financial advisor, but actually we're just agents.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs>
1: do you think it's necessary? Uh, Definitely, because if you were to do it yourself online, sure you can, you save on the commission uh, that, you know, that you don't pay the agent, but when it really comes to when you need to claim or do things, nobody's going to help you. Then you have to go via the customer service route. Oh and
0: then uh you sign yourself up to be an orphan case? Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. In a way, yes. Oh wow. <laughs> Wait, so <laughs> when we sign with an agent, do we pay more?
1: If you were to buy from the website, the websites do not offer the full suite of products. Oh. Okay, they offer only mostly term plans. Right. So like term plans are really cheap already. So there's not much difference in terms of commission as well. Right. But if you were to go with an agent, then agent can give you more options. Together with the premiums, everything is all incorporated in la. Whether is it like fund fee or like um, agent commission, everything is all factored in already. I guess it is like more helpful. I think it's helpful. necessary. Yes, and it's helpful
0: if the agent is good. True. Who's to say that you won't get a bad agent, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake that you made with your money? Putting too much money in the bank. Serious? Yeah,
1: oh. I, I think so. Because you know, we all find stability in looking at our bank accounts grow. But uh, when you put it in there for too long, over the years you start to realize... Damn, if I had put it in this instrument, for example, I would have made this amount of money. But no, I left it inside the bank because I wanted to see my bank account grow, but it actually wasn't growing. If it's more than like half a year's of salary, it's if it's too just... much. Oh, okay, okay, it's okay. It's too much. The rest you should be investing. That's how you grow your money. Next question. Okay, how young should we start thinking about... Saving for retirement and how much? Ooh, good question. Mm-hmm. This question, right, comes up very often, like when I compare between a 25 year old planning for retirement and a 40 year old planning for retirement. A 20 year old starts saving $200 a month for retirement at 65, versus a 40 year old starts putting $500 a month. The younger one will still have more money when they both reach 65. The later you start, the more Even if you put in more money You may not necessarily Get as much returns As if you had started younger So it's like the value Time value of money Right Yeah compounded interest And all
0: Someone asked Please explain on taxes Because I cannot And do not understand it <laughs> Same, <laughs> girl. Same I did my like Income tax like Earlier this Ooh, year Yes 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 I like Forgot to pump my If I didn't do this I didn't do that Then it was like It was just a mess it's It was a so mess. Messy. And you might
1: get fined For like yeah. you know Evading taxes and all Okay so I'm, I'm not expert on like i'm not iras <laughs> but basically income tax goes by the tier so like if you earn 50k you pay this amount if you earn 60k you, earn, you pay this amount so like it jumps by it jumps by the tier yeah that you, that, that you are in like where, where your income tier is
0: yeah. i think if you earn under uh, 30k, yes. Tw- 25k, 30k, you don't have to pay anything at all, you yeah. just have to declare. Something like that, yes.
1: Yeah. And also it depends whether you are self-employed or not. Oh, so right, like if right. you are self-employed, then yeah, you have to do taxes yourself, then it's a pain. Oh yeah, yes. trust me, but that's bad. Yeah, me too, I'm <laughs> self-employed too. But if let's say you um, work for a company, right, the company files your taxes for you because they send it straight to IRAs, and then like you just, the income tax bill comes and then you just pay. So simple, right? Yeah. And for me, it's like, oh my god, I need to file these expenses and here and there. and then...
0: Yeah. Oh my god, if anyone is a full-time influencer, right? Actually, you know all the gear that you buy, like your camera, your whatever, ring light, you know? Even your MacBook, if you like, use it to edit videos like I do. These are considered like expenses. So yeah. like, you declare the total amount, the gross amount that you earn. And then, um, there's like, an expenditure expenses kind of category. That's why I like, track my expenses so like like meticulously now. So okay, let's say you have a side hustle like I do like with Go Margo. There are like two different outlets. You can say like oh I'm self-employed for this and I'm self-employed for this also. Your total earnings like can be split up in that way and then you can like you know include your expenses. Yeah. It'll deduct and then that's like your taxable income. Yeah,
1: it will, your tier will drop. So like 50k if ex- example,
0: you have 10k worth of expenses minus 10k then it would be 40k. There are tax reliefs so let's say if you have a parent living with you, um, if you have a kid if you have uh, a disability so all these are like released for you to like minus your taxable income if it's your first year working it shouldn't be a lot how much should i be bringing in per month i would like to live independently like you okay i said this before if you are renting a house your rental must be half max of like your monthly income and you must have like six months of salary or like your pay equivalent in your bank like liquidable cash in case anything happens in case you lose your job yeah in case you lose your job in case global pandemic if I didn't have my savings right I would be in deep shit so I think it's very important to have your emergency fund six months worth of like salary and I would say if you don't have as much maybe like three to four months then your rent should always be like one third i don't think it should be like any more than that yeah and i think if you can help it you know you can rent a room with your friends you can rent like a, a master bedroom a common room you know share it with different people there are plenty of like apartments for rent that like don't have a landlord so you can still feel like you're yeah. living independently don't go for an expensive house right now especially if you're renting and you're just starting out because there's only up to go from here you know what i mean like if you get a really nice house then like you cannot afford it you gotta like dwindle down it's like it feels worse, you know what I mean? So build your way up, that's, that's for me lah. She has grown up a lot.
1: Really? Yeah! yeah. From like the first day I asked me, can CPF?
0: What <laughs> is adulting? <laughs> oh my god, I can't do all this. Are you proud of me? I am so proud of you. I, I think I did a lot of like, financial like, 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 knowledge work. Yeah. It's my brain. Yeah. It's just part of it, you just have to learn it. Yeah. yeah. I think when I was, when we first met at the industry thing, like, was I living alone then? No. Not yet, right? Yeah, not yet. I think you were the one, wow. You were my wow. financial awakening. Oh wow. Serious. Cause like yes. when I asked you then I was like, "Hey, fuck like these people are all like are married, like getting houses, like, I don't know anything, I don't even know what like CPF is. Yeah. Yeah so I, I felt like oh damn like I need to know about this if I want to like live independently. It's like you need to learn how to drive a car to be able to like go wherever you want. And, exactly like, you know, yeah she's so right about that. Yeah, yeah. it's like learning the ropes. Mm. Yeah speaking of which I still don't have my license. <laughs> Get it, girl? I'm so lazy. It's like so many classes. Okay, how to control myself from spending money on unnecessary things?
1: Okay, I use this app called Toshl, like T-O-S-H-L. I downloaded it from the app store. Basically, you can just key in like every single thing that you buy. This really helps you to check like, you know, your expenses. uh, How much are you spending on food and, and transport? If you are spending too much in one category,
0: then you know that the next month you need to cut down. Right yeah do you have a set budget like do you or you just agar like hey i spent quite a lot on this this month
1: uh, i have no budget that's damn bad right
0: i know but because no, my but life is
1: self-employed so yeah but it's really hard you know when i'm self-employed like, i know like you know you guys go out with insurance agent for free lunch sometimes those are <laughs> our expenses as well <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, god Yeah so we really have No control over our expenses You know some clients Are okay me at McDonald's Some people want Starbucks Some people want like uh, Atas coffee house So then, then that's how it goes And we don't expect Our clients to pay of course Because you know They took time out to meet us But you have to understand That you know We are also We are just working as well It's yeah. our job And we have no standard salary I mean we have no fixed salary And you can't no claim From your company To yeah. be like Hey I,
0: I ordered coffee At McDonald's exactly. For this potential client Who didn't sign <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so sometimes you know some of them really meet us for like even five times and they don't sign anything and all those five times all the bills are on us sometimes they want a meal even so it's very hard for me to track based on how much i am um, paying uh, for that month right. um, yeah but so that's why i don't really like to do cold markets i don't right. really go out and like door knock and call and like hey you want to give me one minute of your time for a survey having said that uh, i have some insurance agent friends who tell me that oh no we always go dutch i'm like so you ask for money back from your client and she's like yeah Oh, so am I the stupid one or <laughs>
0: because no, like, no? I think it's a it's a gracious
1: thing. Yeah, but uh, also because she does a lot of co market, so she meets with strangers. Oh, so maybe she feels like if you are if you ask me to meet at Starbucks, then you buy your own drink. I'm not gonna buy for you, right? But for me, because most of my clients are my friends, so I'm just like no no no. no let me get it. I'm fine with that because they are my friends. Yeah, and look at they... my lime juice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: just. It's so nice. I was offered to finish like oh it's okay now. Yeah, no, no, like, oh, it's
1: alright, it's alright, you know, like because like uh, I always value my clients and everything and honestly nowadays the competition is so tough, it's so strong. Yeah. There are so many like agents out there, like why should they buy from you? What what do you value at? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is a tough world.
0: Can I just say that Gail is the best like value adder ever? Oh. Cause like bouquet festival, then she will buy. Then like I was feeling sad, then she bought macaroons. I don't know if it's because I'm your friend or client, but I'm both, just both, like a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, it's so nice, you know. Then I was like, oh my god, someone cares about me. My financial no, advice, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> yeah, but
1: also Brenda, because like, Brenda is my friend. I mean, I, I cannot do that for every single client, of yeah. course, you know. The clients that are, that really tra- treasure me, they value me. I know that they can actually go out to other agents, but they come to me. These clients, I treasure more than they treasure me. They, are, they make up my rice bowl for me and then they still recommend people out there. I mean, Brenda has been really seriously, really generous
0: and you know, no, it's because I trust you, like, if I'm referring people, like, to, to a financial advisor, and insurance agent, I have to recommend someone that I trust, what? Definitely, because you know not a little bad on you, right? Yeah, yeah, and, like, that's why, like, with, uh, so Mavis also ended up signing with Gail, <laughs> because, like, I was like, this makes sense, and because, like, Gail is someone who has patiently answered all of my questions, even the dumb ones, so I feel like, okay, <laughs> if someone is able to, like, already get back to me on this, and you also, like, on your own accord, like, you just showed me, like, my investments, like, Hasn't even been a year yet, they're just like, oh, he's oh, doing well, you it's know, like. Well, yeah. yeah, so I was like, oh, that's so nice. I like working with someone who's like, accountable, so. <laughs> Are we just flirting with each other yeah, camera? Yeah. <laughs> I do my accounting. Yeah, I have a Google that's spreadsheet. True. Then I will track everything that I've spent, and then like, how much I have in my investments, so I can also see the growth. Like it's very extra but I realise like when I don't put it down right, it's very hard for me to track.
1: Exactly, sometimes you spend, spend, spend and then like, oh by the end of the month you're like, oh where did all my money go? I yeah. thought I earned this amount of money and then? Yeah,
0: like last month right, I spent like nearly $900 on fun in the fund category. I was like what the Because my fund is usually like $50, so I was yeah. like why is there so much? I don't know what exactly, now think about it, like 900 is a lot. Because I feel very bad
1: for spending.
0: That's actually a good thing.
1: Uh, it is a good it? thing, but but of course, like you know, you know, life is also short. Sometimes we shouldn't, yeah. you know, be so hard on ourselves. Yeah. So especially if you are self-employed, you are working very hard for your money. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. But do make you feel better? My uh, monthly expense is like about thousand two thousand five every month. Oh shit! Mine 900 so dollars is, is, is just though. like
0: oh cool. Wow, mine is like a lot higher than that. I think it's because of the rent also. I don't know. Have we you need checked? to do a financial oh, review again. <laughs> How come? It's ah? dead bad, right? Yeah. KKK, wait. This was September. It's very consistently. Look at it. Oh, I paid for my MediSafe. Ah, ah, ah. Okay, So don't count this month. Ah. Minus my rent, my monthly spending was around 900 to 1k. And then October was. What, thousand About 1004? 1004. Yeah, mm. and that's because I spent more on fun. Wait, where's my fun? want 912. How come so much? Nah? Could it be because, like, even I spent. Oh! I know why I spent on Mavis's
1: birthday. <gasps> okay, yeah, birthday months. Oh my god, September yeah, yeah, months yeah. are terrible for me with yeah, my husband, yeah, yeah. right? When it's a birthday month, my yeah. husband, or anniversary, <laughs> or whatever crap, right? Oh my god, my expenditure is like 2.5 to 3. Yeah. And I don't even have a house to pay for, like, not yet. Yeah. So, okay, okay don't count those months. Okay, okay. Okay, count like a uh, general month, about 900, right? Or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, my, yeah, my every month is like.
0: 1.2 to 1.5 steadily. But you have a husband and kids. Well I, I have I have technically like a husband. You, you, and have,
1: kids. <laughs> you have a little son. I do have my son. This one is yeah. so
0: cute. He's eating a spare right now yeah. because he wouldn't like stop bugging us. Yeah. This month I spent more, like that 1.4k. I spent more because I just needed like okay, so I bought the classes. Right. And then like minus, you know, the, the birthday month and stuff. Like it's just a matter of enjoying the money that I make. Because yes. for me like I'm so fixated on saving up for a house. I don't wanna continue renting for the rest of my life, right? And I don't want to even continue renting for the next few years because it's a lot of money going down the drain. Yeah. So for me it's like why am I spending this when I can be saving for something else? I have that kind of mindset. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean honestly when I do when I did uh, Brenda's financial review, I mean the only thing I could think of that she was not wealth accumulating was of course, of course the house, you know, because when you are paying paying rental, you're paying for a house that's not yours and all this money goes down the drain and eventually this house is not even in your name. Yeah. So like the amount of money that you're spending a month on the house rental uh, could be channeled to better ways to, you know, grow your money. But of course I understand this is essential for her work and, you know, her sanity and like, you know... <laughs>
0: honestly yeah, yeah
1: Yeah. if let's say you are okay you have your own room at home and you have your own space your parents are okay to leave you I would definitely encourage just staying with your parents for as long as you can it's it's
0: a lot about that like, like you weigh your pros and cons like what is worth spending on like for me this is my office space this is my home space it makes a lot of sense for me to live here and to pay this amount of rent if I didn't do the job that I do and if I'm like not me la, like my personality. I would think a financially smarter decision would be to stay at home.
1: Yes, to stay with your parents for as long as you can until you get your own house and then you know, or at least get your own house as soon as you can so that you start paying for something that eventually will be under your name
0: and obviously i give up on like other little luxuries you know i don't always take grab i like to cook my own food i like to stay home i don't drink you know i don't party so a lot of that money that i feel like other people are more inclined to spending i end up saving and therefore i just like pay for my house so everyone has a little bit of give and take yeah. so don't like control yourself too hard from like living life but also make sure that your financial decisions are smart. Someone asked, do you ask your financial advisor friends for help or do you sort it out on your own? I think
1: the first thing to do is to track. If you can track, you roughly know how much you spend. And again, same thing, if
0: you, even if you're getting allowance from
1: parents, right, you can also still save the money one.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is if like, your parents give you enough la. I know yeah, a lot of, of people, course. like, their parents don't give them enough. Yeah. Yeah. Parents
1: usually give, like, what, $800 a month to a thousand allowance? No?
0: Dude, my dad gave me $100 for a whole week. month. A month?! I made most of my money like from YouTube and from like, okay, other okay, stuff. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I-
1: I'm similar to you. Yeah. My parents didn't give me money as well when I was in. Uni- they just paid for my university fees, but like the day to day expenses, the food, transport, going out with friends. Uh, I was like giving piano lessons, tuitions, and everything like that. So okay, so but I mean, if you're a privileged child and your parents give you eight hundred to, I think my, my husband got eight hundred dollars a month last time. Damn. Yeah, right. So out of these eight hundred, if you feel like you're only going to school and then you know school canteen food is actually not even that X, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. I mean, assuming you don't go restaurants and eat with your friends, you should maybe spend about three hundred right. to three fifty, including um transport and and everything. I think. Right. Uh, I think it's definitely great to ask for help. Google online. Google is your best friend. Uh, asking for help also. It's better if you ask from someone who is older, and uh maybe more wise about it. Cause if you ask like your friends, your friends are the same age as you. Do they have no idea also? Yeah. And they are studying as well. They don't. They have no idea what is it like to make money and save uh-huh. and invest. Yeah. Or just Google. Seriously, Google has like the best answers. Yeah.
0: Really, yeah. there's so many money blogs like in a Singaporean context as well. Yeah. Like Money Smart and Sydney. Yes. There's there's just so many, and even like CPF Board, they have like a channel a YouTube channel where they have like short form videos to teach you like what OA means, what SA means and like you know that kind of stuff. So if you don't even know what that means and you're too embarrassed to ask like I was, then you can just like go on to these websites you know. Like Ira's also has like um, short video tutorials on how to file your income tax and everything. Exactly. Yeah. And I tell you the earlier you start on this right, the better you are ahead of your peers. My ladies out there, like if you think that you can just like close one eye and like just ignore it until like your dad or your husband like fixes all of this for you, you are basically giving up your financial independence and your financial freedom by doing that. When you have all of the information like at your fingertips and when you are educated as you are, like I don't think this is the time to be so, I guess, flippant about like your financial planning because exactly. you don't want to have to surrender all of your money or be at the mercy of your spouse or your partner or your parents or someone else who handles your money for you. If you can do it on your own then do it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I always think it's important to be financially independent. Uh, when I gave birth to my daughter last year, right, uh, oh my god has it been so long yeah it's been she's like 14 months now but when when she was born till she was about six months i wasn't working and i felt like my husband had to thank i mean i had my own savings and everything but you know he was he was generous he was like paying for most of the stuff Okay, but I get I think he knew that because I didn't give up my job I still had I still had like money and everything. It was okay for him to do it. But imagine if you are a girl and like you are gonna be a stay at home mom and you're fully relying on your husband, how do you think he feels over time? Over time he'll feel like
0: Resentful. Yeah. I,
1: yeah, all you're asking me for is money and then like I come home every day and like I have to pay for everything in the house yeah. and everything. So when you have your own money and financial independence, right? You have a lot more say a lot more respect. Yeah. yeah. not only within the household, you know, but even for yourself. Yeah. When you are a stay-at-home mum, I tell you that's the toughest job in the world because you are 24 7 with your kids and there's no rest, no break- It's a thankless job. Yeah, but it's
0: a thankless job because nobody will ever will be like, Oh, so you it's stay expected at home. what you yeah. should do it, but if yeah. you're at home you don't have a job, then why are you not taking care of your kids? Exactly. But yeah. actually that's the toughest job in the world. Yeah. I, I was
1: so glad to be back working. Yeah. I mean it's not that I, I enjoyed my time with my daughter and everything, but I think six months was enough as a stay at home mom <laughs> job. I, I I don't want to do it full time.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think like um, in a lot of like the previous generations' marriages, a lot of times like the women are in abusive marriages or relationships, and it's not just like a mental or physical, but a lot of times it's financial also. When you don't know how to do your own finances, when you've had someone to manage all of your finances for you, or when you've just given all of your money, or if you've not worked, you know, you have all of your savings like tied up in a joint account, like, that's when your spouse can potentially, you know, take that money without you knowing. Exactly. There are so many stories about that. And like, I just is it really necessary for our generation to put ourselves through that? Like, I don't think so. So for me, like, I know that if I were to ever get married, like, I would definitely have my own savings. I would guide it. This is something that my mom taught me. She was like, you always need to have your own savings. You never know what's going to happen. Mm. You don't want to be the one to like, have to ask your husband for permission to buy groceries. Exactly. Like, you know, that's just not the way to go. And even if you're a guy, if you want to be a stay at home dad, like you also don't want to put yourself in that position. You know what I mean? You don't want to have to like, ask your wife if you can have like $50. It's just weird. Yeah. So yeah, just make sure that like, you, you know how to manage your own money. And it's not that difficult. If anyone can do it, she did it. Brenda yeah. from like if nothing. I can do yeah. it, come on. Yeah. No, don't,
1: don't put yourself down like that. But I'm just trying to say that she, she started out really didn't, you know, not anything. And here she is, like, her own house, yeah. managing her own finances. Yeah. Everybody can do it. Yeah. Just don't be embarrassed to ask for
0: help, you yeah. know. Or don't, don't, don't be too prideful and everything. We all learn along the way. And it's not even, like, a matter of how much money I make or how much money... Okay, first of all, it helps with the amount of money you make. I feel like you just are a bit smarter about how to earn money. And also, like, how much... Peace of mind I have Like how How stable I feel Knowing that Okay if anything happens I've got a plan I have the money To support my plans And I have so many more things To look forward to in the future Because I have Money saved up For these plans And there's no end
1: To this knowledge there's really Even no for way. us
0: we Every year we have a Complete 30 hours Of like um, Training
1: wow. To keep up to date You know With the financial um, Environment that we have In Singapore We're always learning Even I'm still learning But everyday we just Pass knowledge to each other so you know talk to your friends
0: like what you said, Google, yeah. YouTube yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, if you have any comments or questions, you can feel free to leave them down below in the comment section below, or just send a message to Gail on Instagram, she's Gail's Generation, and also let us know if you'd like to delve deeper into like, I don't know, housing, savings accounts, that kind of thing. I know that like, right now we're doing quite a broad overview on like, the general principle of like, saving, earning, or how to like, you know, invest, sort of, but... I mean, I definitely would love to delve deeper into it, but we have to find, like, you know, experts who can actually give us better information. Because, yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not that knowledgeable. Yeah, so let us know what you'd like to hear about. And once again, thank you for tuning in to Growing Pains. It's been me, Brenda, and our <laughs> co-producer is Chow T. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye! Bye! Bye. Oh, guilty for <gasps> oh. Isn't she great, you guys? <laughs> Adult friendships for life! And Noodle's is like, I want to join in. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Alright, bye. Bye, bye everyone.